Once again, welcome to today's Ask the Expert call. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce our host for today, David Molman with Align Technology. David, you have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Invisalign Team, Easy and Predictable Strategies for Success with Dr. Donna Galante. You will earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor's site account. Please allow two to four weeks for CE hours to appear on your account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we're unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor's site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Dr. Donna Galante. Dr. Donna Galante is an Invisalign elite top 1% doctor and has been treating Invisalign patients since 2000 in the Sacramento area. She received both her dental and orthodontic degrees from the University of Pennsylvania, where she also served as a clinical instructor in the orthodontic department. She is a diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics and has been a featured speaker at Invisalign forums for orthodontists. Without further ado, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Galante. Dr. Galante, you have the floor. Thanks, David. I uh, want to thank everyone for being here this morning. I, I know sometimes on a Friday it's, it's easier to um, enjoy your day off, but I promise you it will be time well spent because I'm going to teach you a lot of the things that I've learned um, and show you some of my uh, mistakes that I made and the things that I've done to correct them, and you will certainly learn at the end of this how to become much more comfortable and become much more uh, willing, able, and excited about um, using Invisalign Team. So we're going to get started. First, I want to mention that the statements, views, and opinions expressed in this program and related course materials are those of the speaker, myself. Uh, Align may not endorse such statements, views, or opinions, and of course, attendees are responsible for legal and regulatory compliance of any marketing and referral programs. So. Let's get started. David already introduced me. I am a 1984 graduate of the uh, University of Pennsylvania, both the dental school and the orthodontic specialty program. Got my diplomat status in 1992. Met my husband in 1993, and we moved to California. We're currently in practice in the Northern California area, and I have been a top 1% provider, elite provider since 2010. And here we are. There's my husband orthodontist and my partner in practice with our two children uh, enjoying what I one of my biggest passions and that is travel. So I'm really big on setting some goals so I want to let everyone know today what I plan to share with you and what you're going to take away from this and that's number one the biggest thing I think is to help you get comfortable treating teens with Invisalign and go through uh, kind of the steps I took because, uh, honestly, we were quite nervous uh, starting with teen. Not so much from the standpoint of the mechanics. It was more of just um, getting patients to uh, commit, you know, to comply, getting parents involved. I'm going to show you how I manage and even prevent some of my initial uh, mistakes or at least help you be able to set your cases up more quickly with less modifications and more success. Number four, specific details. It's all about communicating with the technician. I am certainly not 
any uh, genius when it comes to technology, but I've learned how to communicate with the technician to get what I want back. And I'm going to explain to you in great detail. In fact, these will be writer-downers, so to speak, that um, specific things that I tell my technicians to help me get exactly what I want. You will get some specific tips, uh, some market, little bits of marketing, how we communicate to our parents and patients so we can have success and acceptance of the treatment plans. And finally, you're going to see a potpourri of different types of cases, starting with some of my uh, phase ones that went to phase twos and ending with actually some open bite cases. So let's get started. So the question is, who are the best patients for Invisalign? Well, if you would ask me that question, you know, I would pretty much tell you every patient. We are, um, we brand ourselves as the Invisalign office in our area, and we have Invisalign as our appliance of choice. But this is about teen. So let's look at some research that was done back in 2009 by the company Kelton, and it was behind the small survey. And some of these statistics I find quite interesting. And they polled a group of teens, and they found that 50% of them believe that wearing metal braces would lower their self-esteem. Furthermore, they felt these teens also felt 62%, a great majority, felt that wearing metal braces was painful and uncomfortable. And only 4% of these teenagers felt that wearing braces allowed them to fit in with their peers. And last but not least, and this is the one I hear quite a bit, oh, it's just part of being a teenager wearing braces. Well, only 11% felt that wearing metal braces was a teen rite of passage. So quite compelling research and very interesting on, on how teenagers are, are thinking about um, braces in general. And while we as orthodontists think that every teenager is excited to have braces, the reality is they're not. And if there's another option, they are certainly interested in learning about it. So we're going to dig right in right now and look at some cases. And this is kind of the evolution for us in our practice of how we decided to get started with teen. Um, our motivation for starting with teen, again, was pretty much back in 2007, 2008. We wanted to really brand ourselves as the orthodontic office in our area where you could um, go and get Invisalign and have great results. And we also wanted to bump ourselves up to that top tier of elite top 1%. And we really needed to start doing more teen in order to do that. We didn't have enough adult patients in our practice to get us to those higher levels. So the first group we started with were our phase one patients. Because these patients had a history with us. We knew about these patients. They'd been in the practice. Some of them even had some partial braces in their phase one. And I'm not going to go into detail about how we treated the case. But this is Julia. She came in looking just like this, had had some uh, had some uh, lingual arch placed by her, her family dentist, and we did some phase one on her. And here she is at the age of 13, and now she is ready for Invisalign. And some of you doctors that are listening uh, to the call, I know that oftentimes you'll have patients that are kind of chomping at the bit. You know, they want to get started with that second phase, and you're waiting for all the teeth to come in. And in this case, you know, the lower premolars, it was still, it was some crowding on the lower, and certainly we're waiting for those upper cuspids to drop in. And I'm going to show you how Invisalign can effectively uh, create the space for those cuspids, hold space, and kind of get you on the path to where you want to go. So let me get started with this first ClinCheck for you, and you'll see how I set the case up. And again, these are some of my earlier Phase 1 cases. There's things that I, I'm going to share with you that I do differently today. And, you know, so... Basically, one of the first things I would tell you here is that I really would not have um, left this case with all those uh, passive aligners on the top. 
again, it's kind of up to you what you want to do. Um, but let's just take a look and see how this case was initially set up. There wasn't a lot that I did up top other than um, creating some space for the cuspid and holding the space for the uh, cuspid on the left side. And I'm really a fan of this eruption tab. So on the, the actual aligners, they will actually place these uh, teeth in the aligners so that it can hold the space for those teeth. And, and that is often helpful as the tooth drops in. A lot of times it can guide it quite well. If we look at the lower, it was set up just basically to get some arch development, create some space for those premolars. And again, I, you're going to see something here that you know technically didn't occur. There was no real dislocation of those molars on that lower left side. Um, space was created more so from just some arch development. So let's get out of this ClinCheck and just kind of look where we ended up. And you'll see after a period of time, she ended up having the art, lower arch lined up fairly well. We got some space created for the premolars. Honestly, we only made it to, she had 40 aligners um, total. She only really made it to about 20 because this upper cuspid came in and it was rotated and it didn't really drop well into that eruption tab. So we reset the case and went back in and we did a refinement. And I'll show you my, the refinement we did for Julia. And one of the things that we are really big on is communicating really well with the parent and the patient and letting them know that, okay, you know, there's going to be multiple stages. Refinement is part of the treatment. It's, not, it's, it's all included. We let parents know we expect it to happen. So here she is, and you can see, um, if we look to the right, that she has a little bit of a situation where we're dealing with, um, you know, a little bit of a class two uh, cuspid situation. And I'll show you, if we look at how this was set up, again, um, I know some looking at it, you say to yourself, gosh, that second molar is dropping down. There's no attachment on it. A lot of times, even in our fixed cases, and I always like to bring uh, fixed appliances into the story here, we oftentimes will have second molars come in, and we're not always necessarily uh, bracketing them right away. And a lot of times, they will just drop in um, as the treatment unfolds. In this situation, I didn't place any attachments on the second molars, and you'll see at the very end here, everything really actually fell into place quite nicely. So let's go back and look at her final, and we can see that um, everything pretty much uh, fell into place quite nicely. She had a total of uh, 21 refinement aligners, a total of 10 visits and 20 months of treatment in order to complete this case. And if I had to, uh, we look at her uh, panoramic views, you can see the second molars dropped in really quite nicely. And here's her initial and final sefts. You can see an improvement in the facial uh, profile, a better alignment of the upper incisors. And here's some tips for you. Again, communicate with the parent and the patient that multiple refinements are going to be needed and expected part of the treatment plan. Um, we really let them know that, yes, you know, in these type of situations, especially in these mixed dentition cases, there's going to be multiple stages because as the teeth come in, we may have to um, redo a scan, redo a PBS impression, and order up some more aligners. It's all included. There's no extra charge for that. And that really um, 
keeps the parents from feeling like, well, I'm going to be spending some more money. And tip number two, use the aligners to create or hold space for the erupting permanent teeth. I use the eruption tabs quite often, and I will often ask for more space than I need to hold that space or create the space for the erupting. Um, usually it's a cuspid or maybe it's even a premolar. I find the aligners to be phenomenal in the sense of actually holding space for erupting teeth. And, and they come in handy when you are waiting for some of these teeth or you're trying to create the space for these teeth to come in. So don't be shy about a mixed dentition case. You can use the aligners to you know, develop the arches, create the space, and then just know that you're probably going to have to go back in and do a refinement stage. Here's another phase one patient that started with us and open bite and narrow arches. And again, I'm not going to go through exactly what we did other than to say that she did have um, some partial braces. And when we introduced the idea of a phase two with Invisalign, she was extremely excited about that and really was not looking forward to putting braces on. So these, these patients that are in the second phase of treatment are highly motivated. And again, if I had to give you a little marketing tip, those patients um, we have found to be extremely cooperative. They're excited about the Invisalign. They already feel like they had braces. So they're on board to do the Invisalign and, and participate with their treatment. So this one in particular, I, I love to show this case from a teaching standpoint because she did have several stages because we had to, uh, we had, and, and this happens even with our fixed cases, right? You think a tooth is going to come into place uh, rap more rapidly than you anticipate. So in this situation, we were dealing with a, um, a cuspid that wasn't fully erupted. And on this side, we still had a primary tooth. And I decided to just go ahead and uh, get her started, create some space. And you'll see it, we only had 15 aligners. And then here at about aligner number nine, we added a few more aligners. If I had to do this all over again, I would put all the attachments on at once. I would have not waited to have those attachments placed later. I would have just said, let's just get them on all at stage one. I also would have probably asked for more aligners. Um, you know, it's a half a dozen one, six or the other, but typically if this was a fixed case in my practice, I would have probably told the parent we would have been maybe putting some brackets on and then maybe 10 months later we would do some repositioning, we'd be adding some braces. So I would have probably asked for enough aligners, maybe 20 aligners to take me through it about a 10-month cycle. But let's take a peek and see where we were after this first stage with her. And you'll see here that the, the cuspid came in actually quite nicely, and we did have an eruption tab in there, and it, it dropped in fairly well. This one, didn't, the, the, the primary tooth fell out, and the, the uh, left cuspid is starting to drop down. Um, you're going to notice that the midline is still, is still not centered. We really didn't work on trying to do anything about that in that first stage. In the second stage, we are going to start working on getting that particular situation resolved with the midline. And again, creating a little bit more space for the upper left cuspid. So we go back in with Megan. And here I also want to go over a little bit with you the, um, the process here. You can see on the very the uh, right-hand side, I'm going to blow it up a little bit bigger for you. Um, you can see that we added some precision cuts. And they were added 
from stages 1 through 12 on the top, and that was to get the midline corrected. So at the same time, she has some class, a class 3 elastic on that right side to help with the correction, and you're going to see a jump. And, and that's basically the software just doing an estimate of exactly how that's going to look. Again, the cuspid, I just used an eruption tab, and that's what it looks like. And on your aligner, you would actually have a space for the cuspid to drop in. Okay? So if we go back and we look at how did this work out for Megan, midline lined up beautifully. She was great with wearing that elastic. And you can see the cuspid did, you know, the left three did drop down, still not quite where we want it. So we decided to go back in for a, another refinement. You, you can put your orthodontic hat on and you can say, well, Do you know, Donna, I probably wouldn't do the refinement. I might just place some elastics and some buttons. And certainly that would be totally uh, a viable uh, alternative. And you certainly could do that. We decided to go in and do a refinement. So we did a second, uh, actually, second refinement on Megan. And the main goal was really to get that cuspid to extrude some more and get it into a better spot so that we could then just be you know, finished with her treatment. Now, again, I, a couple comments here on maybe things I would have done a little differently. Let's just look at how this uh, plays out. Um, you can see the cuspid. I have a rotation attachment on it, and we're asking for some extrusion. And if I take off my lower, because the lower was pretty much done, and we go back to the beginning, if I had to make a comment on the way this, this ends up pretty good, but today what I would do is I would ask for additional extrusion on the lateral and the cuspid. Probably ask for at least a, maybe 0.5 to a millimeter more of over extrusion or over correction, and, and I would ask the technician to provide that. And let's look at how it ends up, and you'll see, not bad. I think I should, you know, we could have gotten a little bit more on the lateral, and maybe a, a smidge more on on that on that uh, cuspid. At this point, you know, Megan was thrilled. Mom was done. They were happy. We ended up just finishing off the treatment. Um, she had a total of 17 visits, two refinements, 24 months of treatment, and here she is from phase one through phase two, a, a, a beautiful um, young lady. And so tip number one, I would actually ask for more extrusion than you actually want. I've, to be honest with you, I've, I think I've one patient, one patient, and all the time I've been doing um, this, it actually over-extruded as much as I wanted. Okay, so it actually came down and it was a little bit longer than, say, the adjacent tooth. And it's simple. Uh, you can take the attachment off and it usually will uh, pop back up for you and kind of get you exactly where you want to do. And then number two, and this is something we do now. I didn't do it back then, but when you have multiple refinements, there is a lot of uh, attachment removal going on and sometimes that can be time-consuming. So now what we do is uh, we'll sit down and we'll kind of evaluate the patient. Do I need to remove all these attachments? Can I keep some of them on? Are the, is the integrity of the attachment still good? Is it still the type of attachment I want? And in many situations, we will leave the majority of the attachments on, maybe selectively remove a few where I'm going to change out some attachments. And it will save you a ton of time either in your uh, PVS uh, impression taking or in your scanning. So those are my two tips for you from Ms. Megan. And 
We're going to move now from the phase one and phase two patients into uh, the deep bite patients. And again, it's kind of an evolution here of, of patients that we were um, receiving on our end that were coming in asking for Invisalign. And so Hamad shows up uh, deep bite, uh, pretty much class one uh, molar relationship, flared incisors, spacing, and uh, some significant overjet. Let's see how we set this up. And again, I'm going to share with you some tips about how maybe I would do things a little differently today and um, give you some ideas about how to, you know, get these cases to set up a little bit uh, faster and quicker. If the first thing that I noticed is I had 53 uh, aligners. <laughs> so a lot of aligners. And, and basically the reason I had so many aligners is because I was trying to move, I'll show you, let's, let me go to the occlusal view here and you'll see we were doing a little bit of rotation and distalization of the molars. And, and because, and we look at the staging process here with him, you can see that it really, you know, for, the, for about the first 10 aligners, the only thing that was really moving were the upper seven sevens. <laughs> so I do something different now where I'll combine the rotation and distalization of both the first and second molars at the same time and I'll ask for rotation and distalization at the same time. And then quickly, as soon as there's space mesial to the molars, we'll ask the technician to start distalizing the upper four and five, then followed by the three. And that, could, that would have shortened up his time, probably would have eliminated maybe about 15 to 20 aligners. And the other thing here I want to talk about, and that is the upper anterior teeth. They actually didn't start, that space actually didn't start to close until aligner 25. Now, again, this is a little bit of a, a management issue and, and marketing issue. The patient didn't complain about it. We didn't, you know, he didn't come in and complain about it. But I can tell you that I've had plenty of patients who have, where I set these up and that central, that central incisor space was there until, you know, aligner 25. And patient sees a lot of stuff or feels a lot of stuff happening in the back, but they're like, well, doc, when's my space closing? So in the future, what I ask for now is, you know, I tell, I ask the technician right from day one to please start closing the space in the upper anterior at aligner number one. A second thing that I did, and again, it's not a big deal. I, I have passive aligners here. I don't feel that, you know, it was necessarily something that was a huge mistake I made. I just prefer to have active aligners throughout the entire uh, treatment. But it isn't, it, it isn't a bad thing to have them at the end. You'll see some cases I'll show where I start with passive, which I totally don't do at all anymore. So let's take a look and see how he ended up with um, his 53 aligners. Let's close this out. And you can see that here he is. And, you know, he was thrilled. His family was absolutely blown away. They just were so excited. They had had children who were treated by um, somebody else somewhere else and that, you know, it was According to Dad, it was years of braces and a lot of appointments. He had nine visits, 17 months of treatment. If there is another critique I have of uh, what's going on here, you know, this was before we had those wonderful G4 attachments. You can see these could have been maybe angled a little bit better. Um, 
we we asked them if they would you know wanted to go back in and and close that up. They were thrilled. He was done. He was heading um, out to uh, go away to school. So let's take a closer uh, peek at the before and after X-ray, and you'll see, you know, there's maybe a little improvement that could be on the root uh, angulation on a couple of those uh, upper anterior teeth. But thrilled and a very happy patient. So again, my tips: start closing spaces between the upper front teeth at a line or one, and. One other thing I think is really interesting in this case is that I um, often will have the uh, precision cuts placed exactly when the upper uh, four start to distalize. Certainly, you're the doctor. You can decide the best time to start those elastics. I like to start them when I'm actually starting to move the first premolars distally. And it's kind of great for my team members because they'll see that on the treatment uh, treatment plan sheet that comes with the case, and they'll know and they'll make a note, this patient is starting elastics at a line or 20, and they'll make sure that that patient is brought back at that time to get those elastics started. And another tip, and I, I think this is one of those things you're going to see in a couple other cases I'm going to show you, that when you have rotations on the lower premolars, you have to kind of decide for yourself whether you need more rotation and you need a rotation attachment or if, you're asked if you need more extrusion. I think you can get both with the rotation attachments, but you have to be very specific about asking for additional extrusion. Another similar case um, as, as Hamad, uh, this young man, his mom was my patient. She was an Invisalign patient pretty much an easy uh, class one adult, and she brings her boy in to me. And I have to say, um, one of I would say it was kind of pushing the envelope at the time for me on how I felt about treating a mixed dentition with some overjet, class two, deep bite. But we went ahead and did it. She really wanted Invisalign for him, was not at all interested in braces. And we decided, okay, we're going to uh, work with um, the young man who was very motivated. And this was probably one of my very, very, very first cases where I was actually dealing with a mixed dentition situation. And if let me take off this lower arch and let me tip this up for you. You can see um, he still has the E's are still in. And this IPR here that was done, honestly, I, I never did it. I just pretty much ignored that little <laughs> treatment plan uh, on the side here and set him up just for some arch development, and and basically you'll see on the lower arch, let me get back to the lower arch and show you what we did down there. Again, on the lower arch, it was mostly just gaining some you know, arch development, getting some rotations, and what's kind of interesting, and I think I really want you to look at this cuspid, it's a lot of rotation on that tooth, and the attachment actually didn't go on till about halfway through um, his initial setup. So it's interesting when you, you'll see the, the next slide that shows you photos. It, the tooth actually rotated quite nicely with that attachment. That was the only thing we had available at the time. And you'll notice also on this case, I did have him on some class two elastics. And again, this was before we had the ability to do button cuts and, and uh, precision cuts. So we were just doing them ourselves. We were cutting into the aligner and placing buttons and having him wear some class two elastics. You'll see a little jump here at the end. So that's pretty much how 
I set him up. You can see that we um, didn't do much with the sec with the uh, with the ease. Just kind of left them. I'll show you here. It was, you know, it was all the spike jumps. There was no dislocation on the upper arch. I really wasn't sure how much dislocation at the time I could get. You know, when you have uh, primary teeth still in place. So it was just pure uh, bite jump from class two to a class one setup. So let's take a peek and see where he is after this first stage. So here he is, great compliance with his elastics. Midlines look a lot better. He's still pretty deep. We still have to deal with, you know, some overjet, still not full correction. The um, ease fell out. And this premolar came in beautifully. This one came in buckly. So we had to go back in and do a second uh, stage. We did a refinement. He was, um, at this point in time, we had been, he had been wearing the elastics pretty much the whole time in that first stage and, and had requested, he said, gosh, do I really need to wear them again? And, and I ended up not, I ended up not actually ever putting them on in the second stage, although we had planned to do it. It ended up that we didn't need it. So you can see just bringing that premolar into position, doing a little bit here on this side, um, just to kind of get the, the buckle segments, you know, socked in a little bit better. He has um, no elastics in this, this final stage. And I'll show you 17 aligners, basically, is what he was given. And here is his final result. So he had a total of 53 aligners. Treatment lasted about 24 months and approximately 16 office visits. So if I have to share a couple of tips here, um, you're probably, if you do the math, you'd say to yourself, well, 53 aligners would be more than 24 months. So there is a time frame often in the refinement stage where I may decide to place the patient on a 10-day cycle, depending on exactly what's going on and what we're doing. So a lot of times they'll have a lot of aligners that would reflect much longer treatment times, but yet finish up more likely on schedule. Also, my other goal with a lot of our patients is to minimize the number of office visits. And this is what we, we actually, when we talk to the parents, is a big selling point. You know, there's less visits, less time in the office. Most of these parents are more than happy to spend less time in, in our offices. They're, they're really not that excited to spend um, hours in our offices, you know, having their kids' uh, appointments and adjustments and things of that nature. They have, they're working, they have multiple other responsibilities of their children, sports, um, pretty stressed out. So when we tell them there's less visits involved, they're usually pretty excited about it. I would say this is on the higher end. We like to keep our visits to about 12 total from start to finish, obviously not including uh, retainer checks. So he had a few more visits, probably because I was still um, a neophyte and setting these cases up and was wanting him to come in more often so I could take a peek. Um, I, one thing I can critique here on my, is this canine, let's look at that on the pano. That was again before we had the wonderful G4 attachment. Doesn't look too bad on the pano, but today I would have put maybe a G4 attachment and maybe tip that tooth, uh, the root distally. Here is his before and after. So you can begin treatment with primary teeth in place. We do it all the time. And we do it in situations where especially we need to create some space and do some arch development. 
We always tell the parent that there's going to be multiple refinements and the second molars and newly erupted premolars will be aligned, just like my fixed cases where sometimes we may start without second molars fully in place. We let the parents know we are going to capture them down the road and be placing brackets or bands on those teeth. Again, the crispy, this is exactly what I tell my technician. Now, this was something that uh, it has evolved for me. This wasn't necessarily what exactly what I did with him, but I do this pretty much routinely now. So this wording is exactly what I tell my technician. I ask her to intrude the lower, uh, lower anterior teeth, and it's anywhere from maybe two to four millimeters. I have three to four here on the slide. And again, I have for extrusion on the fours and the fives anywhere from maybe two to four millimeters, again, depending on how that curve of looks. And then my favorite attachments are these horizontal beveled attachments. And I like to have them beveled gingerly. Now, there are oftentimes we'll put rotation attachments on, and they do the job, especially if I need to get some rotation done on those premolars. You can also put a rotation attachment on, rotate the premolars, and then change out your attachments midway. So just like we might put a bracket on a tooth, like say a premolar that's rotated, and have to reposition it later in treatment as the tooth has started to rotate, you can do the same thing with your attachments. So those are my kind of my, my tips for um, uh, Mr. Alex, and this case I would say is now, had these type of cases now I, I would say are kind of bread and butter for our practice. We get these in um, quite a bit. Um, they're, they turn out to be these teenagers, you know, talk amongst their friends, the parents talk amongst their friends, and we get loads of referrals because we're able to treat this case without putting braces on a 17-year-old senior in high school. And it's kind of a fun story because her mom comes in and, and lets us know that, you know, Megan's a senior. They, they waited until now to, to even begin treatment. I'm not sure exactly why, but they promised her a, a brand new car and Invisalign if she would go to junior college for two years before going to a very expensive um, uh, four-year school. So she is she says, sure, I want my teeth straight, I want my new car, and let's take a look at how this case is set up, and I'm going to show you pretty much the standard way that we manage these cases now with maybe one slight adjustment that we do as far as how the molars are, are distalized. But these type of uh, patient cases are, you know, we have it down pretty much to a, to a really set uh, protocol where I can literally email um, my technician, you know, the whole treatment plan specifically, how I want the teeth to move, when I want them to move, where I want the attachments placed, what, at what time I want the uh, precision cuts placed, and pretty much get back a clin check that's about 95% correct. And boy, that's nice when you have maybe one modification and you're good to go. So let's look at this uh, case. And again, if I, I had to make one change, and you guys probably know by now, I I'm not thrilled about 55 aligners, and I was still, I was, I was still just having, you know, one tooth rotated at a time. So let's take a look at this. Um, I would definitely today plan on having the six and seven rotate and distalize at the same time. And that would have dropped the number of aligners somewhere in the 30s for her. And 
again, didn't really start doing any movement on the upper front teeth, again, till about a line or 25, if you see my staging. So one of the first things I always do when I open up my ClinChecks, I always open up the staging. I really want to see you know, when the teeth are moving, how they're moving. I want to look and see when my attachments are being placed. I like all my attachments most of the time placed on the first um, stage. 95% of the time we do that. And I like to have this, these, some of these movements uh, put together and, and sooner so that we get less aligners and more rapid movement. So, and, and she was wear, she was definitely wearing, if we look at her treatment card, she had a precision cuts placed. And you can see they were placed right from the beginning in this case. Today, I probably wouldn't have started them until her premolars had started to uh, distalize. But we, back then, we actually had the precision cuts placed and started the elastics. We actually probably didn't start the elastics in the first time. It might have been the second visit in that the elastics started. Let's look at the end result here for Megan, and here we are. This was a, a case that had 52 uppers and 35 lowers because she had a, a bunch of passive aligners on the lower, 16 months of treatment, 14 appointments, and no refinement. And uh, obviously, you know, we opened the bite beautifully. We ended up in a very nice situation with um, full class two correction. If we go to the next slide, you know, you can see the amount of overjet that was reduced here, and can look at the before and after panos. She since had those uh, wisdom teeth removed, and uh, before and after Ceph, definite improvement in overjet relationship. Nice, better profile. And my tips for this one, again, I don't really use passive aligners that much anymore. I I always ask for all active upper and lower aligners. I always ask for actives. Again, it's up to you. You can decide what works in your hands. Tip number two. Again, I really like using uh, horizontal beveled attachments to do my extrusion. And again, precision cuts were placed at the very beginning. And I actually use button cuts on her. And here's a little tip, marketing tip, practice management tip. If you tell your patients they can eat whatever they want and they don't have to worry about it, you're going to find sometimes your buttons uh, get, get knocked off. And with this young lady, we did have a couple problems with that. And, you know, not that they were upset about it, but we've had other parents who worry. Well, you told my daughter she could eat whatever she wants. Why are the buttons coming off? So since that time, we place precision cuts now on all of our elastic cases, and we find a lot less uh, problems with buttons coming off and upset parents. Moving on, this uh, Mr. Alec is a patient who came in um, with a severe case, you know, severely autistic. And we have um, a group of, of parents now that are big referrers to our office. Um, they connect with each other through various uh, organizations, and their children all have special needs. Uh, and we have found that this group of patients responds extremely well to Invisalign. They're usually very sensitive to things in their mouth, they, the metal and the wires, uh, tough for cleaning for them. Uh, usually the parent has to get in there and do some of the oral hygiene themselves. So we presented Invisalign, and mom was thumbs up, let's go. Uh, deep bite, some overjet. And here's a case I'm going to show you where I did not place the attachments at aligner one. So remember I said about 95% of the time I do that. 
Well, in this young man, we didn't do it. Again, because of his special needs and and his autism, I wanted to test out how he did with just the, the clear plastic first. So we didn't place them until, you'll see here, they actually went on at aligner number three. And there they are. And I want you to look at this carefully. Um, and again, this is one of those things I'm going to share with you because somewhere along the way, I, I kind of missed this. You'll see that cuspid on the upper right, okay? There's an attachment on it. Not much is happening to it. And quite honestly, I, I would have changed that <laughs> had, I, had I caught it, but I didn't. And all of a sudden, you're going to see the attachment kind of goes away and the tooth starts to uh, move downward and extrude, okay? And not sure what happened there. Um, I think the one thing I would share is that you just have to sometimes either, you know, just really pay attention to how the teeth are moving and know that even if you do miss something, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> it ends up being okay because I'm going to show you, even though the, the attachment was there for a while, nothing was happening to the tooth, the tooth actually does uh, drop down uh, rather nicely even without an attachment on it. Um, another comment about this the space, okay? Again, if we look at the staging on this patient, the space didn't even start. The, the gap between the two front teeth didn't even begin to close until aligner number 39. Now, on, mom wasn't upset. Patient wasn't upset. There was really no complaints about it. But again, I've had enough complaints from other patients to know not to do that anymore and to start closing that space immediately. There was no reason not to. He had plenty of space in that upper arch and we could have started to close it right away without a problem. Um, here you can see, I mean, there was no reason not to do it. He was wearing some class two elastics to help with some of the overjet rejection, and you can see here when I show you from the side view, let's look at this a little bit more carefully. We had some light class twos on him to help, and you can see a little bit, it's, Okay, so not much is happening really. It's mostly we're just getting some arch development and he's kind of wearing the class twos. And he, he, it was interesting, I'll show you in a second. He, um, let me go sh show you what happens. He was wearing very light class twos and he really wore them extremely well. So we ended up with a um, kind of a class three situation. And you know, mom obviously was concerned. We told her not to worry, we were gonna fix it in refinement. and. We've had a few patients, especially in this category, they're, they're very compliant at wearing these, um, that we now will keep a little bit closer eye. And we've had a couple others where they've uh, gone from, say, a class two to, to kind of an edge-to-edge -edge bite very rapidly because of this exceptional class two compliance. Let's look at that cuspid. Remember I showed it to you. It, it actually did drop down pretty nicely without actually much of an attachment on there. And we closed up his spaces fairly well and we go back in and he's wearing class 3 elastics now from day one and he ended up um, doing very well for class 3 elastics as you can imagine. We ended up putting some attachments on these upper anterior teeth to help um, ensure that we closed that open bite and you're going to see a bit of a bite jump here at the very end where he um, goes into uh, full class 1 here. Okay, We took off, he had um, some uh, buttons on here and what happened was when we did the scan they were still on here so that's why it kind of looks lumpy there but we never really used those again and you can see here on my my uh, treatment card how the class two the class three elastics are placed we did just 
precision cuts, and that was it. There was no button cuts on him. Let's look at the final result on Alec, and here we are uh, at the end. Total, uh, he had a lot of aligners initially at 50 in the beginning, and then 22 on refinement. Treatment time lasted a little over two years for him. We, mom really wanted us to um, keep an eye on him when we went into that second stage with the elastics to make sure that he didn't go too far the other way. So we had 19 appointments total. He was seen a lot more frequently. And hygiene was pretty, pretty good during treatment and successful result. And you can see the before and after be some third molars to deal with down the road. So tips for you. We talked about always look at the staging, always start closing spaces. Most patients are going to want the gap closed before liner 39. And I've talked about this, about rotating the, the upper sixes and sevens together and, again, um, kind of combining distalization of the fours and fives. And that will kind of allow you to have less aligners and speed the treatment up. We're going to move into some class threes, and this was again probably one of my very, very, very first class threes that came in. 17-year-old patient, a junior in high school, not interested in any treatment whatsoever, braces or Invisalign. His mom was a patient. She was thrilled with her treatment and won Invisalign for her son. So we convinced him, and he agreed that he would cooperate and and do what was needed to do in order to get his bike corrected, and. Again, this case, there's a lot of things I would do differently now, and a couple of them are right from the start. Again, I like to put all the attachments on at once. Not only did I not put all the attachments on at once, he had passive aligners to start, which on the upper arch seems kind of ridiculous since there's so much work to do up there, but hadn't really wasn't really focused on, on that at the time. And then you'll see later on we add two more attachments at around aligner 13. And he only has a total of 17 upper aligners, which is definitely not going to be enough time to get the extrusion that I needed. And you'll see in the follow-up how the laterals in particular, I've talked before about asking for more extrusion than you expect to get. You'll see how the laterals did not drop down very well. We did have them in some class three elastics. We added the buttons ourselves. That was before we had precision cuts. And you'll see here, there you go, laterals did not come down. We did get some nice uh, overjet, so that worked out well, and the lower arch lined up better. Went back in and decided to put him on, uh, kept him on the class three elastics, and you'll see now that all the attachments go on right away at aligner number one. And he, again, about he's, we're dealing with about 15 aligners, and asking for more extrusion than I really expect or anticipate in order to get that correction on him. So if we go back and look at the final on him, you can see it ended up, got the extrusion on the laterals, got a nice correction of the class three. He definitely has, you know, a class three tendency, and he's off to college now and a freshman. Total treatment time was 15 months. He had 30 aligners total. So, again, if I had to make some complaints about this, don't do what I did. It's not very efficient to have attachments placed at different time frames. Generally, I like to put them on all at once. Or if I'm going to put them on at the third or fourth aligner, do them all at once, not in different stages. 
Um, another tip here, and this has to do with extrusions. Um, this is something I often will place in all of my uh, submissions to my technician now. If you ever have a situation where you see a, a non-tracking tooth, everything else fits beautifully, but one tooth is not tracking, often it's because you didn't have enough room to do the movement, whether it's an extrusion movement or a rotation movement. There wasn't enough space created, and that's why you're having a tracking issue. So I will always, especially, I'll look at my ClinCheck at the very end, and I'll say, okay, gosh, that tooth I'm worried about because it has to extrude quite a bit. I want to make sure that there are no collisions. So I'll just tell her, please verify that extrusion is occurring on the upper left too without collisions. And it's interesting, it'll often pop back to me with a couple more additional aligners placed into the ClinCheck. So that is a key point, and you'll find if you start doing that, you'll have a less, lot less uh, tracking issues, especially on individual teeth, and just pay close attention to those teeth that are extruding, that there is adequate space. Sometimes it's hard to tell. By looking at the ClinCheck, so you'll have to ask your technician to help you verify it. Another class three, and this one, it was one of those cases that, you know, and some of you listening to this, you have these situations. You have friends, friends and family, right, that come in, and this, her mom and I are very good friends. They lived in Hong Kong for several years. She, she is an adopted daughter. She had phase one in Hong Kong. She had second phase in Hong Kong, full set of braces, comes back to the United States to live, and now has grown four inches in a year and is growing back into her class three. Uh, jaw surgery is not an option, and this young lady was not interested in doing anything, quite honestly, but definitely not braces, right, because she's a junior now in high school and has no interest in going into braces. So basically told mom that, you know, we would work on, you know, setting the case up with Invisalign. I really needed 100% cooperation from her and some really good class 3 elastic wear. You can see here we're doing, I did button cuts on her on the top, and we did some precision cuts on the lower. 23 total aligners. And in, in, in setting these open bite kind of class 3 cases up, if we look at it from the side view, again, uh, yeah, I, each open bite case is unique, and if, if I, I don't necessarily have a stock set up for each one because each one requires different things. She needed a little bit of, of extrusion of the anterior teeth, but she also needed some posterior intrusion. You can see that happening if I put the superimposition tool in there. You can see that you know I did some, I did request some intrusion of the lower six and seven. And on the upper, I requested some intrusion of the six, and actually the seven, mostly six, and a little bit of the premolar. But a lot of it was some anterior extrusion of those front teeth to create some overjet. And you can see with those anterior attachments that that was my main purpose for extruding and getting some overjet for her. And again, on these cases, you're going to always have, when you're doing any sort of class three, it's going to be a bite jump at the end, which is kind of an estimate of where they're going to end up at the end. So she had 23 aligners. She did a really good job despite lots of whining and complaining. She did wear them. She did, we did, we were, we managed to get the midline centered. She was thrilled. She was done. I wanted to get this result better. I felt that we could get this better situated. I felt the midline was still slightly off. Mom wanted it perfect as possible. Went back in and there was some bribery that had to go on here at this point because she was not that excited to continue. She was pretty much done 
we had her on a two-week cycle, so she was about a year in treatment at this point. We went back in, and my goal mostly was just to get a little bit more overjet, so you can see I did some IPR, um, attachments on the anterior teeth to increase um, the overbite as well, and, and then the IPR on the lower, and continuing to wear those class three elastics. But she has a total of 16 aligners, and we were able to get her to go to about 12 aligners. At 12, she told me she was done. <laughs> so I think, okay, we're done. And um, at this point, she's driving herself to her appointment. She's 17, so um, talked with her mom, and her mom said, fine, if you know she's done, I guess we're done. And here's her final visit. We took everything off. Still not as great as a relationship here as I would have liked, but in general, um, 16 months of treatment, nine visits, 32 aligners. You can see is Ceph tracing before and after. I mean, she is class three, there's no doubt. Two things to look at, uh, GOGN uh, didn't change a whole lot, so there wasn't any uh, bite opening with the aligners, which is what I find in all these open bite cases. I really like the fact that we really position these incisors much much better, and that was a big improvement on her uh, facial uh, soft tissue profile. And quick thing here to look at, second molar, not great, kind of, you know, impacted slightly or stuck behind that first molar, and here it is, lined up very well at this point, and the third molars have since been removed. So here she is before and after, and she's graduating from high school this year off to college. Tony came to us as a retreat. He had had previous ortho. You can see there's uh, bicuspid extractions. He is a freshman in college, at a local college, and did not want braces at all. Came to us for Invisalign. And I show this case because I really like the fact that I um, had a lot of things on this case that I would I do differently now. And the biggest one is, again, um, attachments were not placed right away. My biggest goal in the initial part of this was to get this correction here on the class two correction and get the midline lined up. So we, there really weren't a lot of attachments placed initially on him. He was wearing some um, class twos. We did some button cuts. And some attachments were added later, which, again, I would have changed. But what's really interesting about this, if you look at it from the standpoint of his follow-up appointment at the end of this first stage, the midlines lined up beautifully, and the class two was corrected. So we did a good job. We took him out of this situation, put him into a refinement stage now to get the bite closed. And you're going to see that, again, when it comes to my open bite cases, there's a couple of different strategies that I use. And he had a lot of attachments placed. And, again, sometimes it might have been a little bit of overkill here, but I really wanted to make sure that we got his overbite corrected. He needed a lot of anterior extrusion, so that, hence that's why I have a lot of these anterior attachments. He only had 20 aligners. At this point, he's on a week cycle with these, and he's, he's wearing some partial elastics as needed. And here he is at the end, um, and... Basically, two years of treatment, he had 12 visits and a total of 60 aligners. He closed down beautifully. He's a handsome young man. Again, if I had to um, tell you one thing, I would definitely place all the attachments at aligner one. There was a lot of extra appointments for him that we could have eliminated. Now we're getting really brave here, and um, this young lady comes to us, a senior in high school, 
she had been followed by another orthodontist um, for years and I guess had gotten to the point where they she was done growing. She's very tall. And they said, now, Mom, she's ready to get started. Mom was excited and was also told, here's a referral to the surgeon. We need to see him first before we start the braces. And they were pretty upset about that. Supposedly hadn't heard that before. I don't know. She was referred in from a, a friend of mine uh, who their moms are friends. So they came in. They want Invisalign. I knew I was confident in our ability to get alignment. I felt fairly confident in getting uh, the bite closed, and biggest concern was a little bit of this crossbite situation. So let's see uh, what happened here. I think in these cases, you know, we try to basically under-promise as much as possible and know that there's always the possibility that surgery still may be the only answer. When we do the scan, it, it appeared that the open bite was worse, and that's probably because she was uh, laying back in the chair. And actually, it's a good thing because now I'm treatment planning to a worse open bite versus what you saw clinically. And here, all the things um, are set up where everything's moving at once, starting at a liner one. We have a lot of attachments on the anterior. I'm doing a combination of posterior intrusion and, of course, anterior extrusion and then a bite jump at the end. There are no elastics on this patient. So if we look at the situation, after she has about uh, 10 months of treatment and six visits, this is where we are. And she's getting ready now. To, uh, this was right before she left for college. We did another scan, and she's off at college right now, and we'll be back probably at spring break for a follow-up. But this was where we came with that first setup I showed you. Uh, you know, still open on the side, but gosh, you know, you look at this and you say, well, you know, even this side corrected fairly nicely, and her bike closed down, and she's got a great smile. Um, mom's thrilled, of course, right? And, um, you know, just is so excited that her daughter didn't have to go through surgery. Uh, we took some attachments off here. You can see that. And and we we were doing a refinement stage for her. So you'll have to wait for the updates on how that's going to look. But at this point, I think most of us on the call would be comfortable finishing up that case. You could do it with refinement. You could do it with some elastics. Um, she didn't really want to wear the rubber band, so we decided to go back in and do a refinement stage for her. So, again, um, nothing new here. I basically would what, mention that on these college students or patients who are going to be out of town for a long time, we, we find out, okay, you're going to be gone for, what, six months? I make sure that we have enough aligners so that patient has them until they come back into town. I have patients who have uh, businesses all over the world. They travel quite a bit. They're gone for several months at a time. And as long as they communicate with us, we can figure out, how many aligners they're going to need to take them to their, you know, take them through until they're back in the States or they're, they're back home or they're back from college or they're back from their uh, year abroad. It, it's brilliant. And, and it's a, the only way we could treat some of these patients, especially those that are away at college or uh, adults that I have that are currently, you know, um, in Afghanistan, you know, serving in the military. So that would be my big tip for this one. And this is my last case. And this case is more... Um, a couple marketing tips here I want to share uh, with everybody. And the biggest one is this little girl comes in. She's 13 years old, open bite, obviously class 3. Mom really wants the daughter to have um, Invisalign really bad and has no insurance and is having trouble um, making the down payment. So in our offices, we don't have a different fee for Invisalign. It's the same. You know, Invisalign, braces, clear braces, metal braces, it's all the same. 
the difference is comes down to the down payment. And it can be a little bit of a burden for some families who don't have any insurance because um, if they don't have any insurance, the down payment can be prohibitive for them. We like to get about $1,200 down so we can at least cover a good part of our lab bill when that comes due. So in this situation, mom was highly motivated, and we just set her up on a payment plan. And it was kind of like a layaway. So mom made um, four payments of uh, $300, and on that fourth payment, we actually did the scan and, and, and processed the case. And I, I think it was, you know, mom was happy that we were willing to work with her, and they were willing to wait, wait it out four or five months to get started, um, knowing that, that her daughter was going to get Invisalign because that's what they were really motivated for. So I share that tip because it's worked really well for us, and we do that quite often on patients with, not any, with no insurance to at least help with some of that down payment. So, again, here we're looking at um, another open by class three challenging case. As time goes on, you know, feeling a little bit more brave or crazy. I don't know how you want to look at it, but again, she looks a lot more open than she does clinically on the photos. Again, I think the scan probably produces a little bit more accurate assessment. The patient's laying down, the jaw drops back, and they open up a little bit more, which is okay with me because that means I'm going to treatment plan and even worse case scenario as far as the, uh, the open bite goes. A lot of this open bite on this young lady was really related to I think more than anything, uh, a persistent tongue thrust that she she had. You can see if we take off the lower arch, how these upper teeth are just totally flared out. So in the setup here, you can see I'm doing a fair amount of extrusion of those upper anterior teeth. And hence, you know, those pretty aggressive um, attachments I've placed. And again, if we put the bottom back on, and we look at it again, let's look at it more closely from this viewpoint here. I think you'll see that, um, here, let's go look at it again. You can see where it is a lot of extrusion in the anterior, a little bit of posterior intrusion, and then I'm relying on some class three elastics that she's wearing. You can see that over here, the precision cuts are placed. If I want to make one little note here about the treatment plan, um, and the precision cuts is that you want to have them. Um, you can you can do them, and they stay in quite well. But you got to make sure you have uh, attachments that will hold those aligners in place. So there are times when I will just add attachments just for anchorage purposes, especially if I'm going to be using elastics and precision cuts only. So let's look at her, and I show this case only because we. You know we're in progress with her. She's she's had uh, this is she comes in to get a liner number ten, five months of treatment, and this is where we are with her already. We get some nice um, closure of the open bite. Uh, the class three is looking a lot better. She's wearing her elastics. Hygiene is not great, and again, glad I have her in aligners and not in brackets. You can imagine uh, what it would look like with the brackets on. I'm happy with the results so far, obviously a very motivated patient. And one of the things that comes up quite a bit for our Invisalign patients, especially a little bit younger ones, is, gosh, you know, I really want colors. I really want the braces because I can have colors. And we've solved that problem because if you look here, look at the nice colors that you can wear with your aligners when you're wearing rubber bands. And I show this slide quite a bit now. 
two patients who are interested in colors, and they get so excited about having the colored rubber bands. And oftentimes that will um, get them super excited to wear the rubber bands and super excited to get their Invisalign. The other thing I use this slide for is the attachments. When I am placing these anterior attachments, I want the patients to see what they look like. It's not usually a big deal on the teenagers. Sometimes on your adult patients, however, you may need to really let them know that those are being placed and what they look like so they can be aware and not get too upset with you when you do place them. So can Invisalign teen be a practice builder? Well, there's 21 million teens in the United States between the ages of 15 and 19, and this is from some recent census data that I got that number. Align in their research found that teens prefer Invisalign 7 to 1 over braces. But I think this is a really interesting statistic, and this actually comes from the AAO. And basically they're saying that there is an increase in demand, right, for um, aligner therapy amongst teenagers and their parents who are looking for an orthodontic specialist to provide that service for their children. So I think that's a really interesting statistic and something that should get us all pretty excited about incorporating more teen into our practices. So will you be the office offering teen? I would say that when I went down this path, hey, I am not any technology wizard. I am no genius. I'm an orthodontist in practice. I mean, I've been doing orthodontics 30 years. And certainly when I got out of school, you know, I didn't even have a computer. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I have um, spent some time uh, learning and doing, learning and doing, watching, you know, kind of investigating. So here's a quote from Ben Franklin that I think says it all. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember, but involve me and I learn. And, and that's really what I find that you need to do. You need to get involved. You need to just go in, dive in, dig in if you're new at at doing team and kind of concerned or you want to be cautious about it, start with the easier cases. Start with the phase two if you do phase one in your practice. Um, start with the cases that are um, really interested in Invisalign that you know are going to work with you, like the teens that are juniors in high school, the seniors in high school. They're, they're going to they're gonna wear them. And I know that for a lot of my colleagues ask me, gosh, I can't get the kids to wear them. And um, it, it has to do, and this isn't the, the, the time to go into it, but it does has, have a lot to do with your mindset and that you believe that they're going to participate, your staff believes they're going to participate, and, and you have everybody on board. And you will find that it will be very rewarding, and, and it's, it's just a matter of uh, diving in and going for it. So if I can be a further help, um, I have a, a website here called orthocoaching.com. Some of you may know Dr. Uh, Willie Diane and he and I have put this together to help um, our colleagues learn uh, more and more and, and get really good at Invisalign and be comfortable with it. And last but not least, you need to get your CE by going to this particular URL, uh, learn.invisalign.com forward slash ask survey. I'm going to leave that up for you and that way you can go ahead and get your CE credits. And I think, David, you're going to take over now, right? Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Galante. Great presentation. I want to cover one quick thing that's very important in order to receive your CE certificate for this program. Currently on the screen right now, there's a link to take a quick survey. Once you complete your survey, you'll have immediate access to your CE certificate, so please go there after the completion of the program. 
If you're experiencing problems with viewing any of the presentation, the archive program will be available one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor site account. I want to thank Dr. Galante again for a great presentation. And for all of you for taking time out on your Friday to join us, I look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much.